This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome back to Truck Tech, everyone. You know, this week we've got something a little different for you. We spent a lot of time on this show talking about autonomy, uh, you know, truck autonomy. We talk about electrification, infrastructure, uh, regulation, lots of things like that. Today, we're going to take a little different uh, little different look, and we're going to talk about safety, and we're going to talk about artificial, uh, artificial intelligence. And uh, our, our guest today is Stefan Heck. He is the CEO and, and, uh, and founder of Nato, which is a company that uses AI to help drivers do a better job uh, behind the wheel. And what we're what we're going to talk to him about, we'll get to in just a moment, uh, just as soon as we cover a few headlines. Heizan Motors has a new chairman uh, of the board. Eric Anderson is taking over on Thursday, replacing George Gu, who resigned from the position. Anderson was a Heizan board member for the last couple of years. Um, as founder and CEO of, of West River Group, um, he was responsible for four different special purpose acquisition companies, all under the name Decarbonization Plus. In fact, Hyzon was the first company that uh, that Decarbonization Plus brought public back in July of 2021. Plus is testing high autonomy trucks in Australia with toll road operator Transurban to see whether combining smart road infrastructure could help make trucking safer. Now, these trucks will have safety drivers on board, and in the U.S., PLUS, as you know, focuses mostly on advanced driver assistance systems, uh, what was called level two autonomy. Um, although it does advance it, uh, offers several advances on that, uh, you know, some of the features of, of level four. It's level four autonomy is running in the background. Interestingly, our scheduled guest next week is David Liu, the CEO of PLUS, so we'll look forward to that. Finally, First Element Fuel Systems is marking 10 years in business this week. It's the anniversary of hydrogen fueling stations. Now, you may not know much about First Element because their stations primarily are focused on passenger vehicles. There's a couple of those still in existence out there. Uh, but uh, First Element is beginning to look into and work with uh, Hyundai on the Exit in terms of uh, fueling the uh, fuel cell truck that uh, that Hyundai has now got uh, operating up in the Oakland uh, Port of Oakland area. Um, First Element also uh, recently received $27 million uh, from the state of California to increase hydrogen production. Okay, let's welcome Stephen Heck to the show. Uh, Stephen is the founder and CEO of Nato, as I mentioned. His background before founding the company in 2015 was in academia and industry consulting. He was a professor at the Precord Institute for Energy at Stanford University, and before that, he was senior partner, a senior partner at McKinsey, where he co-founded and led the clean tech and sustainability practice. Oh, and he has a PhD in neural networks. Nato itself is about now eight years old. Four years ago, it absorbed the employees of Newton Technologies, a company operating the same AI safety space. Uh, Nato has financial backing from well-known investors, 
like Greylock and venture, the venture capital arms of General Motors, uh, Stellantis, and Toyota. Stefan, welcome to Truck Tech. Thanks for having me, Alan. Yeah, great to see you. Nice shirt. Good color for the show. I like it. Yellow. Somebody said you had a yellow shirt. I like that. <laughs> Listen, we don't know each other very well. We did an opportunity to talk a few weeks ago just to get acquainted, and I appreciated that because I hate to sort of bring someone on, you know, just cold and not have uh, not have any background. But, uh, you know, we had an opportunity uh, to, to look into a little bit of what you guys were doing. And, you know, these days it seems that AI is pretty much everywhere and in everything. So let's start with a definition of AI as it pertains to your company and sort of your value proposition, if you could. Sure. The, the uh, $6 million question of the day. Uh, well, my definition of AI is really it's a computational system that processes, you know, a complex set of sensor inputs and data and is able to extract and recognize patterns out of that to, to make decisions, uh, classify, in our case, it's classification of risks, how risky is the current situation or the current driving um, moment, uh, and then act on that. Uh, Sometimes, you know, if it's an AI embedded in the robot, it might be action taking action. Autonomous vehicles are a great example of that. In our case, the AI is really complementary to the human driver. Uh, so it is informing, warning, educating uh, the human driver and keeping them safe from risks that they don't perceive. Yeah, you know, I, I think when we uh, when we talked about bringing you on, I think, you know, two things were were particularly, uh, you know, kind of on on, on my mind and, and uh the first was a pretty stunning statistic that uh, your folks provided on the cost of road crashes in the U.S. at $340 billion, with a B, every year. And that works out to like just over $1,000 for each of 328 million uh, residents. So I guess that is all crashes, of course, and not just those involving trucks. The second thing was your work with Navistar to put your technology in international trucks. Let's talk about, uh, you know, the the distraction though, uh, driving distraction as a factor in most of these crashes and and how not to uh, address is that? Yeah. I mean, as you just said, uh, it is the top risk while driving. If you take nothing else away from the show today, it's to stop using your phone while driving. Um, in the commercial fleets we work with, we work with about 800 fleets uh, all across the country. Um, distraction is not only the number one cause of collisions, uh, but it is also responsible for about 65% of all the damage. Uh, it's the leading cause of collisions, particularly the long distractions, uh, where you are looking at your phone or a tablet device for longer than six seconds while driving at, uh, you know, urban or, or highway speed, you'll have gone the length of a football field without looking at the road. That turns out to be 23 times more dangerous than just regular driving. Now, if there's pedestrians crossing or if there's a traffic in front of you that's slowing down, you're talking about 2,000, 2,500 times more dangerous than regular driving. So you're really a better prey to your guardian angel in that kind of situation or, or stop being distracted, uh, your choice. Um, now, what we do, as Bertie alluded to, is we detect that situation. We look out at the road and see if there's a, a threat emerging. can be another vehicle, can be a pedestrian, can be a stop sign coming up, uh, some kind of intersection. And we look at, is the driver paying attention? And um, if, you're, if you're not in a dangerous situation, you're stopped at a red light or you're pulled over to the side of the curb. Uh, in that case, we won't bother you. We're not here. You know, it's illegal in most states to, to handhold your phone at any point while you're in the vehicle, even if you're stopped. But we're not worried about that because that's all it may be illegal. It's not risky. We're concerned about the situation where you're driving around and there's other vehicles or, or uh, bicyclists or pedestrians on the road. 
and you're in danger of running into them or running into a building. That's the moment where we give you feedback. Um, if it's a high-risk situation but not an imminent collision, it's through voice. It'll say, pull over to use your phone or put your phone down. Um, if it's an imminent collision, it's an all-out alarm, giving you a few precious seconds uh, to either hit the brakes, swerve, uh, you know, take some kind of evasive action um, and get you home safely at night. So did I just hear you say that that Nacho will basically know that I'm playing with my phone or using my phone and will tell me to put it down? In other words, that feels very big brother to me. I, I, am I off on that? Yeah, it's uh, our goal is to basically guide you uh, uh, and give you feedback in the situations where you don't realize you're taking the risk. Um, what, when, you know, when we do surveys of drivers, um, they'll, most drivers will admit, Hey, I occasionally glance at my phone. If you ask them to estimate how often and how, how long, uh, they'll typically say, Oh, maybe once or twice a day. And for one or two seconds, the data shows for the 800 fleets that we've been working with, new drivers are looking at their phone six to seven times per hour, hour of driving. Um, and, uh, they're looking at it for somewhere between four and eight seconds on average, but there's quite a few drivers looking at their phone for 18, 20, 25 seconds. Um, and so it's really building that awareness. It's one of the great things about Nauto is you don't realize how long you're looking at your phone. You don't realize how often you're doing it. So it's giving you that opportunity to self-correct. Yes. If, if, you know, if your supervisor knew, if it was, uh, telling your boss, that's what you're doing, then. I do think it would be, it would feel creepy. In this case, our goal really is to inform the driver, give them a chance uh, to change their behavior. And again, we're only doing that in situations where there's risk outside. If you're looking at your phone while standing in a parking lot or, you know, while stopped at a, at a red light, uh, we're not going to bother you. We're not, we're not here to be big brother. We're really here to warn you of situations where sure. you're going to get hurt. Yeah. So, you know, that's interesting because, you know, forward facing cameras have made believers out of drivers. Uh, mostly because they can what they record can exonerate them from from blame in, in some crashes or you know maybe not even crashes, um, but but they are they've been the drivers have been far less accepting of driver facing cameras. Uh, fleets are increasingly adopting them to save them from you know nuclear verdicts. Your cameras face both forward and back and have external sensors designed to detect distracted and drowsy driving. Tell me how these work. Yeah, it's it's really important to, to differentiate between the sensor, uh, which uses computer vision or, you know, in a camera can take a picture, uh, and what happens after that. Most of us associate a camera, you know, like the old camcorders, right? If there's a camera, that means there's a video, that means there's a recording, that means somebody else is seeing it. And you typically associate that with the security cameras where, you know, there's a guy behind a desk somewhere watching 25 monitors and watching whatever. That is not the correct analogy for what happens here. In our case, there is a Sony image sensor, but it's the AI processing that visual data in real time. And if there's nothing happening, the AI just processes it and says, there's low risk here, nothing dangerous is happening, move on. And the data never gets recorded, never gets captured. As it gets more dangerous, the AI will give the driver feedback. That's the alerts I was just talking about. Uh, where it, it'll either say, you know, pull over to use your phone or uh, take a break if you're sleepy or put on your seatbelt if you forgot to put on your seatbelt after the last, uh, you know, stop and, and drop off. Uh, and in those cases, again, the driver gets a chance to correct. If they correct, that's, all, that's where it ends. 
Um, we have the option to record video and that can be initiated by the driver. If the driver is, you know, threatened by somebody, for example, or cut off by somebody to your point, they can uh, tap a button and trigger that video recording to exonerate themselves. Typically, we do also capture the video if something really serious happens, like an actual collision, as you said, um, so that the yeah. dispatcher knows, you know, is this driver hurt or are they injured? But the distinction between the computer vision being able to see in real time what's happening and video recording is really important because most of the traditional models, you know, it's, it's recording and somebody else is watching. And that's, of course, where it gets privacy intrusive. Sure. You know, I have a long history in, in safety communications when I worked at General Motors and we used to talk about, uh, you know, ELDs, uh, not ELDs, but the, but the recording of, of crash data, uh, you know, and, and there was always a little bit of concern about, you know, privacy and that sort of thing, but, but it recorded over itself. It sounds, sounds like you're not really even one recording it when you do it, it doesn't last forever, you know, um, yeah, you told me, I think, that fleet managers and fleet managers and dispatchers don't automatically get a tattletale report on driver behavior. Are there exceptions? Yes. Uh, exceptions are, are what the fleet, and if it's a unionized fleet, we often have the drivers involved in designing the settings. Uh, what they determine are really the most serious events where you do want a video record. Uh, the obvious examples are the two I gave you a moment ago, right? The drivers being attacked or threatened. Uh, for example, in passenger and fleets, it can be from the passenger and truck fleets. Obviously it's more from the outside, somebody, you know, cutting them off or backing into them, or causing running a red light, causing a dangerous situation. Um, and then secondly, if there is a collision, uh, because it's you said at the beginning, you want that record to exonerate. Uh, we found that because the fleets we work with, the drivers get good really quickly within a matter of days with that gentle nudging of, Hey, you shouldn't be looking at your phone. Um, we see an 80% reduction in the, in the serious risk behavior. Um, and so just in a matter of a couple of days, you've taken your odds of collisions, uh, down to one tenth of what it used to be. And so what remains is mostly collisions that are caused by other people. Um, and so as you mm -hmm. said, in those cases, you want the video to, to exonerate yourself. We have the option to capture video, for example, for new driver training or coaching. Uh, so that's a possibility, but many of our fleets don't use that and, and run with no video recording on again, except for collision situations where somebody's getting hurt. Sure. So how successful would you say uh, NATO has been in softening driver opposition to the, you know, rear facing camera and, and, you know, it's a trust issue, right? I mean, how are you, how are you building that trust with the driver? Yeah. By, by being very open and transparent about what's going on. Uh, by giving them a chance to try it. Uh, you know, we do initial trial deployments with fleets. We recruit drivers and give them a chance to see both what happens in vehicle and where that data goes and, and you know, how it works. But really, drivers become believers when the system has saved their life. Take, it may take a couple of weeks for a driver uh, driving around, but if they get that alert and they didn't realize if somebody else was running the red light, somebody else was cutting them off, there's a pedestrian stepping out behind a vehicle that they didn't see the system alerts them they hit the brakes or they swerve and they go oh my god sometimes of course yeah. four letters but we look for that response if you're surprised and then you smile or you wave um then then we know we've done our job and we look for those signals of gratitude uh when the driver feels wow this was appropriate this really was dangerous and it saved my life we have a driver who who fell asleep on the road um you know, was, was headed to rear end. He was in a, in the giant uh, tractor trailer, uh, was headed to, to rear end another class eight vehicle. We alerted him and he was able to swerve. 
vehicle still had a collision, but that driver is out there every day saying, I would not be alive here today if Nato hadn't alerted me in time. Um, and so our whole philosophy is very sparse. Uh, for a, a good driver, we may intervene one or two times a day, sometimes even for a great driver as, as infrequently as once a week. And, you know, you're not the only one on the road. There's lots of other people uh, doing things, taking risks, making mistakes. So even a perfect driver can have a situation where they're at risk suddenly. And it's really all about building that trust of we're only going to alert you in those high-risk moments and, and get you out of that sticky situation, get you home safely at night. That's where the trust is built. Okay. So you've talked, I, I think I read this, so you didn't tell me this, but you've talked about AI being comparable to the effect that that, uh, that safety belts have had on driving safety. Um, but your approach is different because it would avoid the accidents altogether, right? I mean, th these are, you said 80% uh, fewer in terms of incidents? Yeah, up, up, to, up to 80. So seatbelts were our inspiration. So when I started Nauto, we looked at, you know, what's historically been the biggest uh, safety technology out there. And you go back uh, over the decades, were, you know, first uh, came out in the, in the late 40s. They were starting to be required in the 50s and 60s. And you see about a 20% reduction in serious injuries and fatalities over that, over that decade when they first deployed. There's probably one other safety technology that had even bigger impact. Unfortunately, there's not good before and after data. Uh, the brake was invented in the very early 1900s. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, cars and trucks without brakes uh, were not a good idea. Um, so I'm I'm pretty certain that had a bigger safety impact, but again, you know, hard to find data from, from that long ago. Yeah, we. Well, I've never thought about that, but you're right. Uh, you know, having no brakes is probably a, a you know, a, a pretty bad idea. So, personally, I, I wouldn't get in a car without brakes. <laughs> so no, no, not if you knew it, right? So your website talks about reducing in cabin and external risks in real time. Unpack that one, will you? What does that mean I I exactly? I, I, I presume this is the phone again and and that sort of thing, but but give me a, for instance, you have an answer. Yeah, so external is, is you know, you're, there's a vehicle stopping in front of you, um, and if, if you're still closing at a rate where you're going to hit that vehicle, um, we give you a, a heads up and an alert. Similarly, you know, all of us have slightly different behavior when we stop as we come up on a stop sign. So we learn uh, what's typical for drivers, um, and then if you're about to run a stop sign, you're not slowing down as you're coming up on it. We'll give the stop sign ahead so you get a chance to, to slow down. So that would be the external uh, risks. On the inside, it's it's what we talked about, either falling asleep um, or looking at your phone, any kind of uh, inattention that takes your eyes off the road. But again, we're only intervening in the situation where there actually is a danger out on the road. Uh, you, you know, If you're looking down at your phone, um, while you're stopped somewhere or, or you're in the middle of nowhere, there's nobody around you. Uh, you know, we're not going to bother you in that situation. No. doesn't mean it's legal, but it means it's low right. risk. Well, and it sounds like intrusiveness is what you're trying to avoid there. Let me switch over to, to your, uh, uh, to, to your work with Navistar. Um, how many fleets, uh, are, are now used, you know, the used Navistar vehicles are, are now running, uh, not to, you've mentioned 800, but I, I, I imagine that's sort of your total number of fleets, right? Yeah, so we have we have eight hundred in total. Um, a lot of those are light commercial vehicles. Um, about uh, fifteen percent or so um, have uh, heavy duty class eight uh, vehicles as well. Um, and Navistar is one of the top uh, brands among those fleets. Um, so we've got quite a few. I don't know the actual specific number of vehicles of Navistar trucks, 
Uh, but we we cover about 3 billion miles uh, every year. So you can imagine uh, that's quite a lot of people driving a lot of miles. Again, that uh, the percentage of that would be uh, the Navistar. The reason I ask you about that, of course, is that, you know, that's what we're here for is, is you know, we write about, talk about the, the trucking fleets. What, um, what kind of early experience, I mean, this was, I think, 2022 when that deal was signed, but what kind of early experience have you seen there? Well, I gave the example earlier. You know, we, we've had a number of drivers who have become huge fans um, of the system. Um, it really built top of your basic uh, collision warning system that many new trucks now have, you know, a Bendix or Webco system, for example, um, because those systems aren't aware of, you know, did you already look at the risk, right? So they may alert, they over alert you in situations where the driver's perfectly aware that, you know, the lead vehicle is, is stopping and braking. Uh, but they also may not uh, detect things like the driver falling asleep. Um, and so the response has been very, very positive. Um, you know, the, the benefit of the partnership with Navistar is you can order your Navistar vehicle directly um, with a uh, auto device pre-installed. Or you can take oh, wow. the truck into any of the, uh, any of the Navistar dealers around the country and have it retrofit. Uh, so both, both are options. Well, and, and I have to believe that once you get one of the call in the big four, then the others are, are certainly paying attention. Um, how has this set you up to win business from you know other OEMs? If you can talk about that, um, I can't share details, but we're playing discussions with a number of other OEMs and also our fleet customers who have you know other brands, right? Packard, Freightliner are, are pushing uh, the other manufacturers to do the same and offer the same option. So even it, it, you could retrofit this, obviously, to uh, any of the major OEMs. Is that correct? You, you can retrofit it to any truck. Uh, there's really no restrictions okay. there. Um, you know, the, the advantage of Navistar is you can order your truck with it already pre-installed, so then you don't have to you don't have to mess with the installation at all. Yeah, I, factory install is sort of the, the holy grail of of uh, uh, companies like yours. I would think you know to have it done you know in in the factory. Um, I always ask a few business questions. You're probably held. So some of these, of course, are are you know. Can't ask you, well, I couldn't ask, but you couldn't answer, wouldn't answer. But I, I will ask you about sort of investment trends. You know, I, I was on one of our shows on FreightWaves earlier this week, and there was a there was an investor who was saying that, you know, um, asset light investment, uh, which I would think what you do is asset light uh, because it's, you know, it's a single unit and it's, you know, software-based and, and AI-based and sort of thing. Uh, what do you think in terms of the attractiveness uh, uh companies that, you know, don't need tens or hundreds of millions of dollars for engineering and manufacturing. Are, are companies like that, now include you in that, are you better sort of candidates for investment right now, maybe, than some of these companies that just need, you know, all that money? Yeah, the market definitely favors uh, asset light or capital light uh, companies. You know, the most highly valued companies are, are pharmaceutical companies and software or SaaS companies where it's software as a, as a service. Most of our business is actually SaaS. It's an analytics subscription uh, per charge per vehicle per year. Um, in our case, we do have a you know an add-on hardware module that, as we talked, either gets retrofit or gets installed by the OEM manufacturer. Um, so we're almost uh, no assets. It's not zero assets, but it's a lot for, for the device. And that's definitely uh, a huge advantage over somebody who's you know building autonomous vehicles or building EVs. Where they have to have sure. a factory and and they're building you know very very large uh, assets. 
Yeah. So, uh, Stefan, I only have one more for you, and it's a question that I, I often wonder about, and that is how companies are named. I couldn't find an actual de- dictionary definition for Nato. Where did the name come from? Yeah, it doesn't have a dictionary definition. It, it, it had two inspirations. When I started Nato, I was playing around with this idea of how can vehicles learn from each other and drivers learn from each other. And so it was really around the idea of network and auto. But if you looked at AutoNet, NetAuto, those were all taken by dealers at that point in time. Um, you know, And so everything in that realm was taken. The contraction, Nato, um, I really hit upon because it's, a, it's an ancient Greek word for navigation. Uh, you can still find it in words like astronaut or uh, cosmonaut, uh, you know, the word nautical. Greek word around by ship has these ripping connotations in modern usage. But it really was just a way of getting around. So the idea is it's it's a tool to help you get around safely. Um, and within it is this idea of every driver, every vehicle can learn from every other vehicle's experience. Because any risk, any danger, any collision we've seen, we feed back into the AI and algorithms to help other people avoid that same danger and that same risk. Sure. So really, it's it's you know it's a little bit like Waze, right? Waze tries to help you avoid the the traffic cops. Yep. Not everybody adds updates on on problems. You know, we're looking for for road dangers, and driving risks, and making sure something we've seen in one place never happens again. Yep. I gotta I gotta cut you off there. Uh, listen, this has been really fascinating. I hope the uh, Audience has enjoyed it. Uh, so, Stefan, thanks for being here today. Next week, folks, we will be back to autonomy. And our scheduled guest is David Liu, who is the CEO of Plus. And uh, we look forward to having David on. I haven't talked to him in quite a while. Uh, Plus uh, was in our headlines uh, earlier in the show. And uh, we will look forward to seeing you all then. Catch us on YouTube under the Freight Waves channel. Go to shows and then go to Truck Tech. Look forward to seeing you next time. 